0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. We also have PDFs available on our website, probe.church. And as usual, if you have questions that come
1: up while you're either listening to us, or maybe you're reading along in the reading plan, or maybe you just have a, just a Bible question, uh, we would love to take time as much as we can each podcast. To take uh, those questions and answer them for you. Please uh, share our thoughts. We're not experts by any means, but we do love uh, studying the Bible and learning more about the Bible. So we love the questions, and so as you have them, we'd love for you to send them in. There's two ways you can send them to us. The first is an email. Uh, the address to send them to is info at grove.church. Make sure you put in the subject line a Let's Read the Bible Podcast question. Uh, or you can direct message our Facebook page. Say you have a question for Aaron and Evan or Evan and Aaron, however you want to put us in chronological order. Mm. Uh, Whether it's alphabetical, chronological, um, who you like the most, you know, however you want to put it. Yeah, I think they like you better because you're always Evan and Aaron. So, uh, But we are the Grove Church in Marysville, Washington. So uh, look us up on Facebook. If you haven't already, go ahead and DM us, uh, Grove Church in Marysville, Washington. would love for those questions to come come, come to us. So.
0: There you go. Well, as far as resources we're using today, we've got the ESV Study Bible, the Reformation Study Bible, Logos Bible Software, The Essence of the New Testament, a survey by Elmer L. Towns and Ben Gutierrez, and The New Testament in its World by N.T. Wright and Michael F. Bird. Yeah, I just want to take a moment and say, welcome back.
1: Um, Ed Henson, Henson and Gary Yates. We haven't used them in a while. Not Ed Henson.
0: Oh, dude. shoot. The, Palmer Townsend. Ben. So Gu- that's, Gutierrez, that's what That's it is. how... It, we haven't used I've them so long. i missed the name Gutierrez.
1: So welcome back to the podcast resource list. Um, so today we're actually going to be talking about First Thessalonians. Uh, and I did a lot of the research today because mm. um, I told Evan he's not good enough.
0: No, I'm just kidding. Well, uh, full, full disclosure, dear listeners, we're recording two today because I'll be on vacation next week. Um, I'll be I'll be meeting my new my new nephew. Aww. So going down to California, uh, my brother Brett, who was a guest on this yes, podcast, when in May, yes, May, yeah, th- when my sister year? got married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, it was fun. He just sat across the table
1: from me, uh, right next to his brother. It was hard to tell him apart for a little bit, but yeah. um, not when they talked. When they talked, they talked differently. So. Anyway, so yeah, Evan will be gone uh, next week, and so we wanted to record two this week, and so uh, I did uh, the the outline for this one. So if it's not as good, that's why. Um, Evan's, Evans gifting is a lot of the teaching stuff. My gifting is commentary and application. So, uh, with that said, we're going to jump into First Thessalonians. Uh, give you kind of a quick introduction to it. Uh, it's the first of two letters, as many of us know, that Paul has written. Uh, while he was actually in Corinth, he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, uh, which is Macedonia. We see some um, conversations about Paul trying to get in to Macedonia in the book of Acts. But That's where Spirit Alexander read. the Great is from. Yes, it is. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> this, this is why I'm typically the color man, quote unquote. Um, so yeah, so Thessalon- Thessalonica, this is the audience Paul is writing to. Um, the Christians uh, had experienced kind of this powerful transformation uh, when their lives, when they turned away from idolatry, when when Paul showed up in his second missionary journey. Uh, he's only He was only with them for a short time, and one of the uh, resources by uh, actually uh, Yates, I think, and Gutierrez, I get them all Ooh. mixed up now, uh, just like a few months later. So Paul was with them a short time, planted this church on his missionary journey. These Christians had kind of had this powerful transformation, uh, and then a few months later, Paul writes them. And it's actually one of the most probably personal letters Paul writes uh, to a church, even though he really loves Philippi. This is one of the most personal ones he writes because um, it, it carries this intimate affectionate heart-to-heart talk with the young church, which is kind of like my vibe when I sit down with people. I just want to like, let's have a heart-to-heart. Let's talk. How can I encourage you? Let's hash it out. Uh, yeah, let's just let's just chop it up. So um, And so he just reminds them of a few different things. He reminds them of the truth uh, of Christ, which they originally came to. Uh, and so he just really intentionally wanted to uh, encourage them. He wanted to uh, address some actually rumors about Paul. Uh, He was getting kind of defaced and um, gossiped about and kind of slandered. And so Paul was kind of reestablishing who he was, as the Thessalonians would know, because they had interaction with him. Uh, And then he talks about you know, grief in the midst of the coming hope that we have in eternity. Uh, and this phrase that we've used at different moments in this podcast referring of the day of the Lord. Um, and so these are, the, these are the things that Paul's addressing. Uh, the way it breaks down is we can have four different purposes real quick, and then I'll talk to the the, the way we're going to break down the book. Uh, it's not a long book by any means, but it's a long enough book uh, with its five chapters. And uh, so it's a, it's actually a really good book. But here's the purposes that uh, uh, Gutierrez and, and Yates talk about. It's towns, come, towns, I, towns, dude, and Gutierrez. I'm just misquoting everything.
0: I get it. No, it's just it's. We've been with we've our been friends with, now. It's, they feel Hinson, like family now. Hinson and Yates, the Hinson Old Testament and guys, and then it's I keep towns wanting to say Goutieres.
1: Hinson. Just total disclarity or total transparency. Dang. And I choose not to. So that's why Yates comes right next. Um, here's you, the four purposes. Commend them for their faith. Paul wants to do that to the Thessalonians. He wants to exhort them to continue living holy lives. He wants to answer the false charges that were thrown at Paul. And then he wants to clarify their understanding of the rapture, which is kind of a, a little, uh, it's a little heavy statement sometimes because I think- And a bit of a, we, a, it's a, a teaser. A bit of a teaser for actually, next It's a week. prequel for next week. There you go. Um, but just talk about the understanding of the rapture in relation to those who have uh, already died. So the way I'm going to break down this this book this week is in three sections, uh, two major sections and one uh, at the end where he writes a very Pauline prayer. Uh, I've titled them differently just because I think I just it's just funny. Were uh, they
0: allir- alliterative titles? No, in the book. No, no they okay. were
1: boring titles. That's ah, why I made better titles. Come on, uh, Ben and Elmer. Yeah, right. Uh, So the first section I'll title this way, I am Paul, remember me, question mark. This is chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, chapter 3, verse 13. Uh, The second section would be Paul's exhortation, uh, which would be chapter 4, verse 1 to 5, verse 22. Uh, And then finally, it's the, I call the let me pray for you section, where this is Paul writing out a prayer for the Thessalonians. So it says this, uh, first section here we're going to talk again, it says, I am Paul. Uh, in essence, he's reestablishing his relationship, but also his integrity. Um, and so he he kind of hits this uh, this challenge right out the gate uh, in verses 4 through 10 of chapter 1. I'm going to read them for you real quick. Uh, he just talks about the fruit of their lives. He talks about this reality. He says this, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, and the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know... How we lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we do not need to say anything. For they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. And so Paul is starting off this conversation just reminding them, hey, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget the powerful transformation you had because of the truth of Jesus. And he's, he's talking about the fruit of their lives. Again, he's speaking to an audience that is has had this incredible experience and they, uh, they're kind of getting swayed by some of these false accusations or rumors that are being spread about Paul. And so he's just challenging and encouraging to remember where they first started.
0: Well, it's a very, it's a very Pauline theme too, because mm-hmm. you see with so many of the letters that like Paul is essentially like, hey, remember when you heard the gospel? Like, why are you, why are you straying away? And it's different things to all the different churches. But there is a lot of almost just like this loving nudge back to, hey, Remember when you first heard about yeah. this. Remember the power that you experienced. Stop drifting away or stop focusing on things that aren't of the of the utmost importance. So it's first Thessalonians, I think it's one of the earliest letters, if I remember yes. right. Um, so it's probably one of the first times that Paul does this, but it's it's certainly not the last time that we no. read
1: about it. Well, I think it's important too to remember that because that's very applicable to us today. <laughs> I mean, how often do I catch myself drifting You're not wrong. How often do I catch myself forgetting? some of those moments that God has spoke or challenged or transformed my life. And so it's very it's very intentional and very powerful to, to be called to remembrance. Um, Paul continues on in this section where he validates his own integrity and name because it was under attack from different enemies of Christianity. And we see this in chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I'm not going to read those ones right now. Uh, but there's just a few things. He reminds them of their history together, that he came with humility and sincerity. He didn't come trying to persuade people. And that's something he validates and reaffirms in multiple different ways. Like I didn't, I wasn't, I, didn't, I wasn't among you preaching in wisdom or intellect. I was preached him, Christ and him crucified. That's what I preached. Uh, and they talk, he talks and reminds them the power that they encountered because of the truth. And he, he, and then he says this, I worked hard. So you didn't have to support me. In essence, he's saying, listen, I wasn't a burden on you. I didn't rely on you. I came in humility and in sincerity to love and preach the gospel. And you responded to the power of the truth of the gospel. Uh, and so then he continues on and wraps up this first section um, in, ver- in chapters 2, 17 to th- uh, three thirteen, 13. Uh, but he just talks about ongoing love and care. And so I want to read just a few verses out of this in chapter 2, verse 17 to 3, uh, to 3, 5. It says this, but as for us, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time in person, but not in heart. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> yeah, right. That's really sweet. Oh, you, it's, yeah. Uh, it says, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. So we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Now, real quick, Paul is talking not just about himself, but also his companions. Um, and I can't remember the other name, but it was Timothy. Uh, and then there was one other gentleman with him. Um, and oh, I can't remember. Anyways. But it's interesting, like Paul is just reminding, like, you, you, we want to be there because some of the rumors were saying, Paul doesn't care about you. That's why he left so quickly. Paul doesn't really uh, want your your best. He had an agenda, which is why, again, Paul's having to reestablish his integrity. Paul's having to reestablish his sincerity. And he's saying, you're, you're our joy. Like we, when Jesus comes again, we're going to rejoice in the fruit of your lives because of the gospel. And that's part of what he's saying. And then he says this. In verse 1 of chapter 3, as the section continues, it says, Therefore, we could no longer stand it. We thought it was better to be left alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage your, con- you concerning your faith, so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourself know that we are appointed to this. In fact, when we were with you, we told you in advance that we were going to experience affliction, and as you know, it happened. For this reason, when I could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. So Paul's just taking a moment to to say, listen, I'm being, I'm being accused of not caring. I'm being accused of being distant. I'm being accused of not being present that I just used and abused and moved on. And it, he, he's wrapping up his argument about, Hey, I'm Paul. Remember me? I, I was among you. I didn't, wasn't a burden to you. I didn't labor. I labored in a way so you wouldn't have to provide for me. And then he's saying, listen, we care deeply for you, but the enemy prevented it they were forced to leave it wasn't like hey we'll see you later we're peacing out but they were forced to leave based upon persecution based upon different realities and so he's he's saying, I wanted to be back, and I would rather be left alone in Athens and send Timothy to you to encourage you, to show you that we care. Because Timothy was also part of the second missionary journey, was also part of the, the original church plant with First Thessalonians. Uh, and so that's what Paul's doing in the first section. He's reminding them of who he is. He's reminding them of who they are because of Christ, them turning away from idolatry. Um, and it's a powerful reminder where Paul is setting the stage for this next section of exhortations. The bulk of the chapter will then shift to this exhortative
0: reality. And just to uh, give him his credit, because I feel like when you get your name into the Bible, you want to, you know, you want to get that out there. It's Sylvanas is the other guy. Sylvanus, thank you. And then Timothy. That's why I couldn't remember it. Hey, no worries. I mean, he's not, I don't remember him really being- Sylvana Meats, bro. Very me. Just meat. kidding. Dude, that's a that's a great, I mean, if you're in- It's if, a
1: local meat, like a small town, some local meat store here near Marysville. If
0: Marysburg. you're in the Marysville, Arlington area, let me tell you, you can do a lot worse than Sylvanas Meats, but- It's very true. Great butcher anyway. Does a great job. So Sylvanas. Hashtag not a sponsor.
1: Hashtag you should sponsor us. No, just kidding. Uh, so then, so Paul establishes the case, right? He says, I'm Paul, remember me. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget the truth of the gospel and how it's transformed your life. Um, and then he jumps into this exhortation and really they center around this idea of remember what you believe and remember how it translates to your life. Uh, and so the first section we find in verses you know three through eight there, he talks about this idea of to continue to live holy lives. This is something I feel like we've talked about a lot and whenever Paul's up on the on the docket to talk through, it's also a lot that we've talked about just in different moments throughout the podcast. So I don't feel the need to talk and spend a lot of time in this, but Paul's stating a case to to let go of your old sinful ways, to to forsake what you were as a pagan, as someone who didn't believe in Jesus and the truth of the gospel and continue to live holiness in response to who God is, to what he asks. Um, and so there's this tension that Paul's creating. and And I love it because I actually was sitting down talking to someone this week, and it was just about, sometimes tough conversations happen as a pastor in ministry. And I remember sitting there thinking at times, I'm gonna have a hard conversation, but I need them to remember I love them. I need them to remember that my relationship with people has 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 shown that I love and I care. And, and when I have had tough conversations with students in the past as a youth pastor, with adult leaders or just adults in general, I oftentimes will draw back onto my history with them and my relational sh- integrity. And it then allows me to stand and say, you remember, you know how much I love you, right? You know that I care about you, right? And oftentimes it'll remind them. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Yeah. I do remember you love me. And then I would then lean into a tough conversation or an exhortation kind of driven conversation. So that's kind of what Paul has done in the first section, leading into the next section or the, this part of the vast passage where it says, just continue living holy lives, give up sexual morality, give up the sin that you have held to and continue to live for Jesus.
0: Well, it's, Speaking of themes that we see from Paul, as his letters go on, you kind of also see him become, I mean, for, for lack of a better way of saying it, more of a big softy. That's true. So uh, true. So, cause like, I, I i can't remember when we talked about this, but we talked about how John Mark really messes up and Paul's oh, yeah. like, okay, we're done. Get out of here. Go home, yep. John. And that's why him and Barnabas split. Yep. Um, but then as you get to the point where he's writing letters, which is a little bit later in his ministry, um, and then, as you read the letters that are coming, until finally it comes into Second Timothy, I think is the last letter that he writes, and that one is just like the sappiest, like basically, "I love you, my son." Like it's gonna, like here's the, my last parting advice. And so you do see this growth in Paul, where, and and some of this is kind of, I don't know if it's speculation is the right word, but kind of just maybe reading into it a little bit. But I think you see at the very beginning that he's very much like I'm standing up for truth, but he's not really showing the love portion of it, like you said, or the yeah. portion of like, hey, like I want you to know I care about you. And then as Paul continues on in his ministry, you see that that becomes more and more important.
1: Yeah, it's almost like he recognizes like, they need to remember that I love them and I need to remember showing them that I love them. Right. Um, and and so that, I mean, that's what he does. He bases his exhortation off of his integrity, off of his relational uh, foundation that he has with the Thessalonians, even though it was shorter. This is not, he was not like best buddies with these people, but he was, he, this was one of the first church plants, him and Timothy. This, was, this mm-hmm. was a group of people that experienced, like, one of the phrasing was like supernatural transformation. They were idol worshipers and turned from idol worshiping in its most extreme form because of the truth of Jesus. And so he, he leans on the love and the grace that he has. Uh, and then he, then he leans into this conversation because there was people who had passed away and there was confusion among these Christians as far as what does it look like for the rapture, the day of the Lord to arrive. And these people that we've loved have passed away. And he addresses that. He actually speaks this. This is where we get a, a fairly somewhat of a something that I use whenever I'm talking to someone grieving. Um, but First Thessalonians 4, 13, 18. I just want to read it real quick. He says this, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, considering those who are asleep. Side note, asleep is a really New Testament way of referring to death. It's uh, true. Jesus even referred to like Lazarus he, wasn't asleep, Yeah, right? <laughs> <So> <laughs> wasn't think, dead. He was asleep. Wasn't it? One uh, of the disciples Jairus's daughter get it. was the same way. True. Um, he, 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 why? Why are you guys mourning? She's asleep. Not, and they were just like Jesus. You're ridiculous because they misunderstood the eternal picture here.
0: Well, and I think sorry, this is just like a random pop into my head, but I, th- I think part of it too is also we as humans on this side of eternity. Viewed death as a much more permanent mm-hmm. and significant thing yes. than Jesus would, and so for in the same way that when someone's asleep, like when I was asleep last night, spoiler alert, I went to bed last night. What I know, but but like what are when you, old man, I'm like when you're asleep, you're kind of you're no longer to. Obviously, this is kind of like branching up, but to a certain extent, you're no longer in your mind at least is not in the physical world right now. And I, yeah. I don't mean that like, I'm not saying like, it's like going off into space, <laughs> but I mean, like, you're not conscious Ooh. of the things that are happening yeah. around you. You're kind of like removed. Um, but it's a temporary state and you are still you. I think that's a little bit of what Jesus yes. may be getting at, where the idea of, or what Paul's getting at here is that, um, death is not an end. It's just kind of another way yes. of being. And it it's it kind of shows our transition, even though like the pe- when he says like the people, when Jesus is talking about people who are asleep, he's talking about people he's going to bring back to life. Whereas Paul here is talking about people who are like, they're not coming back to life until yeah um, the resurrection. But it's this idea that they're not gone. Mm-hmm. They're just existing in a slightly different way now.
1: Yeah. And I think it's so, it's so important to recognize and remember that because if we view death as a final thing, we have no hope. Like That's this, is, this is the whole hope of the gospel: is that this life is not it; that it's a temporary existence. So when Jesus is talking about the whole asleep thing, Paul can understands that, and then is communicating that to the Thessalonians. And he continues on this verse and says, um, "So that you won't." Oh, oh, let me just reread it. it. Says, "We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope." And then he continues on and says this, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the, word from the Lord, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. He gets into a lot of eschatology and a lot of that end times conversation. Es- eschatology, by the way, is a word meaning the study of future things. Sorry. No, you're good. Thanks for the clarity. Um, I just used the fancy word and I felt really smart. So um, no fa-
0: fancy words are good. I just, you know, you just don't, you don't want to leave, leave no hanging. man behind. Yep. It's funny role
1: reversal. I feel like I'm normally the guy that does it. Anyways, for the Lord himself will descend with heaven from a shout with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead will rise with Christ first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together. What Paul is saying, and he says it in verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. He's reminding us as Christians, death is not the final thing. The death we need to be concerned about is the eternal separation from God. That's the biblical picture of death that we need to be concerned with. The temporary physical death isn't one that we should be bothered by. But he's saying we don't grieve like those who have no hope because our hope is tied and anchored to Jesus. And if he rose again, he's going to call forth those to rise again with him and draw us who are still alive to be present with him in eternity. So it's a very powerful moment. It's a very challenging moment for Christians to recognize yes they've fallen asleep yes they've passed away on this earth temporarily but eternity is our
0: final destination Eternity is our is our e- infinite reality that comes it's trying to keep a godly perspective and so when we when we view things as much as possible obviously through the the way that god views them it'll change the way that we live our lives yes. and it'll change the way that we perceive our lives on this side of eternity mm-hmm. and so then paul jumps
1: into from there he jumps into this conversation the day of the lord um and and this is something we've had on the podcast a lot um over the course of this year specifically I felt like we've talked a lot about the day of the Lord and pro- part of it's because of the profits that we've gone through and we will next week and we will next week um because we're just trying there is something to be said about understanding what does it actually mean um for us as Christians to recognize the day of the Lord that's coming and to recognize how to live in light of that um and so then he shifts into this final piece um, where it's like final exhortations. which I just love this. I think this is a great um, challenge and reminder. And every single one of these statements can be thought provoking and challenging. And verses 16 to 22, as Paul wraps up this, this last little section of his exhortation, he says this, rejoice always pray constantly, give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in, G- in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. But test all things and hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. It's almost like a bullet point task list.
0: Well, yeah, I noticed with, because the way our notes break it down, it goes, every verse is a new line. Mm-hmm. And so it really does break it down because each, like rejoice always is one verse yep. and then pray constantly. Don't stifle the spirit. It's almost just kind of, you could memorize each of those yeah, and they're just good things to know. <laughs> you could have seven different verses memorized today yeah. if you wanted to. First Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. There Done. you go. Yes. Listeners, boom. Chalk that out. How many, how many
1: verses do you memorize this week? Oh, I memorized seven. That's on Anyways. the level of Jesus wept. Just, less, just more <laughs> it's, letters. It's true. It's so true. John eleven thirty five. 35, by the way. Um, but so the, this is like the final, it's almost like Paul's running out of time or he's uh, running out of ink or whatever, whatever that looks like. But he's, he's like, here's, here's some things to remember as Christians based upon the hope we have in Jesus, based upon our continual pursuit to, to live a holy life. Rejoice always. Rejoicing enjoys joy is a byproduct of hope and security in Christ. No matter what we face, like there's joy that comes when we continue to trust in Jesus. Pray constantly. We should be led to prayer. So it's this task list. It's almost this, this continual reminder of here's some things that are very important to remember. Give thanks in everything. That's I mean that that's all, every single one of these on their own would preach by themselves. So, uh, but I just think it's fun because I, I, and Evan already said it. Uh, but when when you look at this in your Bible, most Bibles will put it in a paragraph form. But when you, when you are, if you stop and look at the verses, uh, it actually breaks it down in a way that it can actually cause me. And it it did when I put it in, I was like, oh man, that's so much better than my paragraph version uh, that I'm reading it through. And so it's just, it's that final exhortation before Paul gets to his final piece um, where he just says, it's almost this, now let me pray for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I felt very pastoral when I was like, yep, let me pray for you. You have moments of exhortation, moments of challenge, moments of rebuke, but at the end it's always, let me pray for you. Um, and I love the way Paul always writes his prayers. I think some of my favorite things, uh, and I've done it, I did it in college, I need to do it again, uh, is just to revisit the prayers of Paul and how Paul prays um, and and do my work kind of working through them again, because it is a very powerful uh, encouragement. It's a very powerful practice as Christians is to stop and, and read these prayers as if Paul is praying them for me, um, because the end goal of it is his prayer in his heart is for sanctification, which is this process to becoming more like Christ from the moment we say yes to the moment we see Jesus face to face. So I'm gonna read this final prayer uh, and then let Evan have any final say and then I'll be done. So says this, five verse 5, 23 to 28 in First Thessalonians. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us also. Greet oh, I guess that's the end of the prayer. Greet all the other brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord. Uh, that this letter be read to all brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I just really appreciate the way Paul wraps up his letters. Mm-hmm. He's always got to do greetings because that's, hey, greet so-and-so, greet so-and-so. It keeps that relational fortitude, but also shows his his heart for people is not just do what I say and let me preach, but it's, I know you and I love you. Right. Um, but I just love the way Paul ends the letter too. So that's 1 Thessalonians
0: in a very quick nutshell. To give you a quick picture of uh, life behind the scenes a little bit, it's an inside joke where before every Sunday, the worship team and the media team and the production team, we all meet together and we go over the service flow. Uh, and so there's a part, you know, we do meet and greet, which is like, hey, turn around and say hi to someone. So we joke every week that like, hey, just, yeah, just turn around and greet someone with a holy kiss. Uh, it'll be, it'll be great. <laughs> so, we don't really do that. That's yeah, we don't, we don't do that now, but- Especially uh, in light of COVID. That's true too. Yeah. You don't want to be kissing for You don't want to be a COVID kisser. Nope. That's, that's really yeah, And that's with, is it two K's or two C's? I feel like you gotta have anyway. You gotta go. You gotta go both. That's a random side number. All right. Well, hey, do us a favor. Leave us a five star review wherever you're listening on. Uh, it helps get the podcast out there to more people and continue to grow uh, this community of people reading the Bible together. Um, and as always, if you take the time to write a review, we'll read it on. We'll read it on the podcast just because you know we appreciate it and we're just those type of people. Uh, but we did have a question come in this week, and so it was a very simple question. It said, "Hey." Can you explain Jude verse six? <laughs> so <laughs> nope, can't. Yes, do let's do it. Um, so Jude, I'm going to read five through seven, just to kind of give a little bit of extra context here. So it says this. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serves serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Okay. So what's going on in verse six? There's a couple things to know about Jude. Uh, Jude is, I mean, it's really short, but it's also kind of wacky. And so there's, <laughs> and it's, it's a great book. It's like... Inspired scripture. Like I don't want to like sound flippant when I say that, but Jude is it's just it's it's a little different than a lot of books. So one of the things that makes it different is it references uh an apocryphal book known as Enoch. And uh when I say apocryphal, what it means is it's a really old book that is sometimes referenced in the Bible, but we don't consider it scripture. It's a little bit different than um there's different levels of apoc- apocryphal apocryphal books, I suppose. Uh there's ones like a lot of what we see in the book of Enoch, we would just straight up say, well, we don't believe that that's true. Whereas there's other books where they're pretty historically reliable. Um, I, I mean, I reference it all the time, like the book of the Maccabees, for instance, is like, it gives us some good history. We don't believe it's inspired scripture, but we also don't really like, we're not pointing at a bunch of things and saying, like, oh my gosh, this is wrong. Uh, and then there's books like the gospel of Thomas, where it's like that that thing's a, that thing's a load of horse hockey, as uh, as my grandpa would say. So, or a hill of beans as, that's not actually not how you would use that. But my grandma says, <laughs> (laughs) of beans a lot. Thanks, Grandma. Cool. All right. So anyways, there's a little bit of that sort of – there's a little bit of referencing happening there. So when you get later into Jude and it talks about Michael and Satan battling over Moses' body, that's a story from the book of Enoch. So here, there's a few different things it can be referring to. So it says, and the angels who do not stay within their own position of authority – some translations can say sons of God here, but essentially that's kind of a term that's used for angels. Mm -hmm. Spiritual beings is, is what that's used for most often. So when it says that they did not stay within their own personal authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. So the verse before actually really helps with interpreting this because he's comparing it to the Israelites who are God's people. He leads them out of Egypt and then they rebel and then he punishes them. So in the same way, these are angels. They're God's chosen spiritual beings. Some rebel, he punishes them as well. So we can see the parallels there. So a couple of different ways that this can be referring to. Number one, uh, demons who rebelled with Satan at the, at the very beginning, that it could be referring to them. That's kind of where I land. So it's the sin of uh, angels past. And then with the idea of kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, it doesn't mean necessarily like there's no contact with humans or whatever it is. It just means that he's keeping them under punishment until the day of judgment. The other thing it could mean is that angels who have maybe sinned since then. So the idea that because... And this is where... I want to, I always want to be really careful when you talk about this because I think we can make this kind of the main deal of the Bible when it's not the main deal of the mm-hmm. Bible. But it is really interesting to talk about. But this is all conjecture. But because some angels sinned and became demons, it would stand to reason that angels are capable of sin. So it's not like that happened one time and then from there on out, angels live in sinless perfection. And so... There is a possibility that even after that, maybe more angels have since fallen. And then those ones specifically are kept essentially in bondage in hell Mm. until the day of judgment. That's kind of what's talking about. Overall, not super important as far as like the theme of Jude goes. And the main point of the passage is that there's people who are uh, with God, but then they rebel and then they're they're punished for it yeah. or yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah where I guess they were never really with God, but he's showing them like they have punishment as well. So Mm -hmm. that's what it's getting at. Um, I tend to land that it's just referring to those angels who became demons, but it could be kind of going anywhere else. I don't know if you, you have anything you want to add to that?
1: No, I think I I agree with you. I think it's when it comes to what it's, it's it's such a weird Jude. So the Jude is, is kind of a wacky book, but you gotta understand Jude is also a very apologetically driven book, trying to explain and articulate and defend, and not defend the faith, but provide clarity for the faith in Christ, like the truth of Jesus and the truth of of God's will and provision and redemptive story. Um, and and so, what I typically do with passages, just as a quick, like practical coaching tip, I guess, is sometimes I'll jump into the message translation um, just to add a little bit of. To take away a little bit of the wackiness um and so i'm just going to read real quick what it says in, in the message translation because it just for me it helps provide a little bit of clarity to reaffirm what evans already been saying um, i think it's worth asking questions and i think it's worth definitely continue to wrestle through it because i don't think you should just oh okay something else says it this way that's what i'll believe but uh it says this uh, it, message verses five to seven it says i'm laying this out as clearly as i can even though you once knew this well enough and should not need reminding which is kind of a backhanded rebuke but Anyways, it says this, here it is in brief. The master saved a people out of the land of Egypt. Later, he destroyed those who defected. And you know the story, and this is verse six, and you know the story of the angels who didn't stick to their post, abandoning it for other darker missions. But they are now chained and jailed in a black hole until the great judgment day. Sodom and Gomorrah, which went on to sexual rack and ruin, along with the surrounding cities that acted just like them are another example. Burning and burning and never burning up, they still serve as a a stock warning. Uh, and so it is it is that comparison and it's again jude trying to to challenge people followers of christ to remember what happens when those who rebel remember what happens when those who step away who defect from faith um there's punishment there's consequence we are stepping out of the protection of god's provision through christ and we are venturing out on our own which there will be punishment so um but it is it is that picture of the angels that defected from God's ranks, God's positions, and and you see that that's the comparison he's making. It's all brought to a point of be careful not to wander. So.
0: All right. Well, there you go. And on that note, that wraps it up for another episode of Let's Read the Bible. Uh, as a reminder, we are a resource of the Grove Church. We're not the only resource of the Grove Church. You can go online online uh, and find our past message archive as well as our archive of these podcasts as well. And if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to financially con- uh, contribute to the ministry of the Grove Church, you can also do that on the website. There's a give button in the top right-hand corner. But that being said, thanks for listening. Have a great day.